0: You are now on the scene with
1: Larry Dallas.
0: On the scene with Larry Dallas. There is so much going on this week. I had a very busy week last week, so we're taping two episodes this week for you. The first one that's going to drop right now, the one that you're listening to, we're going to talk about the New Japan show in Long Beach. Hiromu Takahashi's very, very um, brutal and gruesome injury. We're going to talk about safety in pro wrestling. We're going to do a little bit of a G1 preview for those of you. Who uh, are currently watching the G1 or getting or getting caught up on it? There's a lot of wrestling out there. We got a lot going on this week. Brock Lesnar's in the UFC. Of course, you know my voice. My name's Larry Dallas, and I'm joined by my co-host, uh, the host of an honorable mention with uh, Shane Hagadorn, which chronicles Ring of Honor and kind of gives you like the Conrad Thompson look through a Ring
1: of Honor. And his name is Jeff Schwartz. What's going on, Jeff? Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, not much going on here. It was a great week for me last week uh, from a familial perspective. My grandfather was officially diagnosed as being in remission from, from cancer, so uh, I'm flying high, man. It's uh, it's a special time here in my, my little family's world. Now, that remission means like you'll always have cancer,
0: right? Yes, so but, like once you have cancer, you have cancer for life. I, 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 I'm not going an idiot. I really have no idea, but like I, yes. well, I never knew that. Yeah. So like so you never truly get rid of cancer.
1: No, but it's not growing, and that's okay. that's the key thing. So he's he's 80 years old. He's had a wide array of heart issues over the years, and he now um, within the last few months, it, it really sounded like we were going to lose him. And right. for him to go into remission, my dad texted me at 11.44 last Thursday. Right, uh, I was on the uh, bike at the gym. I will never forget it the rest of my life. And... I kind of gave a little fist pump, and then my grandfather called me a couple of minutes later, and he said the doctor cleared him to go chase five women at one time. I said, what, a, <laughs> what about my grandmother? And, and he said, who? And I said, all right. Well, if he goes, I beat cancer's ass. Who are you to stop me? That's pretty funny. So That's he, good, man. He, he thinks he's the nature boy, and uh, you know what? I'm going to let him because he beat cancer. Uh, and he actually had cancer in his lungs and his liver. So uh, he had it in two spots, and the goal was to make sure that they weren't touching each other um, and that, that it hadn't gotten into his bloodstream. Otherwise, that would have been it. But um, it's been a very... Even talking about it now, I'm getting getting a little bit emotional because it just it's such a relief. It's a huge weight that's been on my shoulders, and um, you know my grandfather. Both my grandfathers are still alive. One's 91, the other's 80, and they're they're two of my heroes. So I can't imagine living life without any of my my four grandparents at, at 32 and. I'm just very, very happy for him. And my my grandmother, his wife, is going to turn 80 uh, uh, next Tuesday. So uh, it's been a it's a big week for the for the, for the family here. But oh, that, uh, that, it's not the it's not the Jeff Schwartz family podcast. So <laughs> we, uh, we've that, got business to talk to this week. Well, it's uh
0: you know it's it's funny that you're talking about good medical news and all that stuff because that's kind of the first topic we want to talk about, which is Takahashi's neck injury from. Um, I believe it's called the Phoenix Plex, right? That's what that move yes. is? Yes. Yeah. So uh, so basically, the night before, Dragon Lee, who's very talented, very talented luchador, did, um, I believe it was the Super Indies or King of the Indies. It's the, it's the homage to the all-pro wrestling days, which, for those of you who don't know all-pro wrestling, maybe you're a little young or you weren't in Independence, it was um, Roland Alexander. And it was featured on Beyond the Mat, uh, Mike Modest and...
1: Tony Jones.
0: Tony Jones got a tryout back in the day for WWE, and that was a, that was a major part of Beyond the Mat. They wanted to show you that process of things. But that school basically, they always did a big independent tournament every year. Um, the first tournament, or one of the tournaments they did out there, that, that that tournament actually launched Ring of Honor.
1: Yeah, the 2001 edition of the King of Indies uh, Dave, feature, featured guys like Adam Pearce and Spanky, Low Key, Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson. Um, amongst Samoa Joe, amongst uh, many others, and that was Gabe's kind of, you know, brain alert to start Ring of Honor along with the crew that he did.
0: Right, so, so you had a lot of guys, you had, you know, it's a big tournament, uh, you know, Tim Thatcher was in it this year, Super Dragon was in it this year, I believe. Um, not Ta- Super Ta- 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 Dragon. Not Super Dragon, who did I say? Dragon Lee. Dragon Lee, I'm sorry, Dragon Lee was in it. So, you know, a lot of good, talented guys were in there, and Dragon Lee went out there, and he had three good matches, three hard-hitting matches the night before, and uh, won the tournament because they wanted to do an international flavor. So the next night, him and Takahashi go out there, and if you've never seen their series of matches, they go balls to the wall, and they get very dangerous. They do a lot of crazy high spots, almost like what you'd imagine a dynamite kid in a tiger mask doing in the 80s, or Chris Jericho doing it uh, Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit guys like that doing it in the 90s they've elevated the style to a level where it's a lot of high risks they take a lot of big bumps Um, the Japanese style takes a lot of high risk neck bumps and you know unfortunately what you're supposed to do in a Phoenix Plex is you're going to cradle the neck right into your chest almost Mm -hmm. so when you go over for the suplex you're landing high angle you're going to land high angle on the top of your shoulders but your neck is protected and you know, wrestlers, especially the Japanese wrestlers, especially guys that do that type of style, they they train their necks very, very diligently. They do a lot of neck bridges. I've seen guys that can basically, you know, bridge on their neck and roll all the way back so their forehead is touching the um, touching the mat from a from a back position. That's how much rotation they have on their neck. That's how strong their necks are. That's how long they work their necks. But in, in, in this move. I don't know if it was the sweat. I don't know if it was if it was the attrition of the weekend. I don't. But but Takahashi uh, slipped out of Dragon Lee's uh, grasp and went right onto his neck. And the the reports were that he broke his neck. He was in a hospital in L.A. for a couple of days. He's back in Japan recovering. The Japanese are very historically not that open about injuries. Um, you know, uh, Takayama when he broke his neck, it was months before anyone knew it. Uh, Takayama's a guy who had the, the famous match with Don Fry and Pride. It's just not something they talk a lot about, and it and it led to a lot of discussion from people about safety in pro wrestling and the moves, and, and people were comparing styles and, and this and that, and you know WWE's style is safer, and you know this is why the New Japan guys can't do styles like this, they're not gonna have the careers they have, and. and Wrestling's inherently dangerous, so you know you can get injured. Kevin Nash tore his quad walking across the ring. You know, like that's that's a true story. It's, it sounds funny. It's, it's it's fun to knock on, but you know injuries do happen. Dr- Drew McIntyre tore his tricep, uh, taking the DDT off the off the top rope from from St. Alamos. Like injuries happen freakishly in wrestling. Uh, the scariest one that ever happened, that came close to happening to me, was uh, Caleb Conley, who's a good friend of mine. And um, he was a He's a wrestler for Impact Wrestling Was, was uh, my partner on the scene with Scott Reed um, He, he uh, picked me up for a Falcon Arrow But I had over jumped it a little bit When he picked me up so we didn't really have the balance going But we're out there in front of the crowd And Caleb didn't want to look weak By not having me up or whatever So we just decided to go right forward with the move um, And that's a move where you kind of get flipped over And you land on your back But as I was going down um, because of the lack of balance that we had, I was coming straight down on my head and at the last second possible, I tucked my head in enough where I just kind of landed like you're supposed to land on, on on those high angle moves like right at the top of my shoulders. And you know it was scary, it could have happened. but that happened that's a routine move that any wrestler can do. And, and and you know you can do it in a training school after doing it for a couple of months as long as you know how to, how to do a good back bump. And it's just pro wrestling and and, and people want to talk the narrative now because for whatever reason, there's like a culture war there's the new japan fans and there's the wwe fans and you can't be a fan of both and you have to prove why one style is not good or why one style is not safe and 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 that's that's fandom and that, that, that's people's rights to do but you know i, I think the, the the narrative that new japan is inherently unsafe now because of the injuries they're getting when wwe guys get injured at a rapid clip also is is kind of a false narrative and it's just you know it it it's more about you want the guy to be healthy than it is. We're condemning a style here. I, I just don't like that style of what people are doing. I don't think it's right. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are. You watch a lot of you watch a lot of independent wrestling back in the day. You, you like this style, so like, what's your thoughts as a fan when you watch stuff like this?
1: I I first of all I want to point out a couple of things. Uh, Kevin Steen also does a version of this Phoenix Plex. Um, it's called the Steenalyzer. Kevin Owens. Uh, when he was Kevin Steen did this move, but he would do it into the turnbuckle, in the corner. Okay. So there's nowhere to go. Think about that Right. when we're, we're looking at, at this particular situation. The other thing I wanted to talk about is the tucking of the chin type of thing, where wrestling and this, this whole tucking of the chin injury situation, it actually saved my life at one point. Um, you, you've heard this story from me, but um, I don't think the public knows this story. But uh, about a year and a half ago, I was asked to move a pinball machine by some friends of mine uh, up from their basement and out into the garage so that it could be transferred to a pinball museum. And as we we're lifting the machine up, we had hollowed the whole thing out, uh, including the motherboard, all the software and everything. And it was just the frame of the, the box. And I lifted it up too high. It literally flicked off the ceiling. Like if you flick somebody in the ear, not even that hard. And the gravity of the situation with the steepness of the stairs, it shot me down the stairs. Head first, I went through a wall, uh, jammed my neck into the wall. But if I didn't tuck my chin on the way down, I would have broken my neck. Unfortunately, I shattered my finger because it was stuck under the pinball machine uh, to the point where I had 17 stitches done. And you know, but, but tucking your chin like that in wrestling is literally the way guys are saving their bodies. And when Hiromu landed, I knew it was bad. But then he got up and he finished the match like a true professional, and I thought... Okay, maybe it just looked bad. But I instantly knew something was wrong. And I, I remember vividly jumping back going, oh, no. Oh, no, it's a horrible injury. It, oh, it, 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 God. It, it. And, like, the, the level of... The, in wrestling, this head drop thing, it, it is it's getting to the point where it's too much... The bigger problem I have, and there was a lot of this on the New Japan show in San Francisco as well, is the apron bumps, um, the, the pile driver, the the uh, you know the DDT, the um, the thing Will Osprey does where he like spins around, uh, Canadian destroyer type stuff on the apron, like that stuff has got to stop. People, people that have never been in a wrestling ring before and you and I both have we've set them up we've torn them down we know that the hardest part of the wrestling ring is the apron
0: oh yeah no because it's 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 it's, it's physics it's the only part of the ring that technically has no give like like you know everyone that's not a wrestling fan always accuses it of like there's a spring underneath the ring right that you're bouncing right. off of that's how it's not you know it's, if it's a 16 by 16 or, 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 or an 18 by 18 or 20 by 20 the middle part's gonna have the most give just based off of physics so that's why they teach you day one in wrestling school land in the middle of the ring land in the middle of the ring land in the middle of the ring as close to the middle of the ring as possible every time yep. and the further you get out from the center the, the less give there is so the more it's like you're landing on a hard surface you're landing on concrete you're landing on these other things so it's just it's just one of those things and it's it's like audiences now know that that's the hardest part of the ring and it's like the fact that we wisen them up to that is so stupid because now you're literally making it. I mean, B.J. Whitmer almost broke his neck in, in California, uh, Cali- in Canada. In Canada.
1: Yeah, he's got spinal, spinal stenosis. Taking a, by
0: taking a pile driver on, on, on that part of the apron. It was stupid then. It's stupid now. And and, and that is the one thing that probably should go because it's going to shorten careers. But the style is what it is. The fans watch what they want to watch. I mean, Kevin Owens last night went off went up the top of the cage and, I mean, landed on a table with the monitors on it. You know, like he he landed perfectly. But, you know, an inch to the right or an inch to the left, he could have been dead. And, and that's that's dangerous too. wrestling is a dangerous sport. It's just it's a very interesting thing. I, I just hope I just hope Piromu gets healthy. I think he's a dynamic wrestler, maybe top five in the world at any given moment and it's just you know to see anyone get injured like that especially with the momentum new japan has especially as the junior heavyweight champion it just breaks my heart as a performer as an entertainer and just as a fan of pro wrestling so i really hope he i really hope he uh, he heals up and does well
1: yeah it's it was a, such a scary moment and it was such a special night for new japan i'd hate to see uh, any of like the vibe that was created during the show ruined. I mean it was such a great show top to bottom. Uh, I watched the whole thing live. I was so just fired up. Uh, I'm I know we don't want to get into the full show, but I was so proud that my prediction from last last week's show of Juice Robinson and Jay White stealing the show uh, that they were they were able to come through. Uh, it was just such a great night, and this for this to overshadow uh, the event in in its you know uh, well especially the- doom and gloom with- like you don't want that
0: no. And especially with the like, they probably had the angle of the year with the Bullet Club breakdown, with the firing squad, break up, with the firing squad, and Kenny and Cody getting back together. And now you have the Elite versus versus the Samoans or the Tongans. It's uh, you know, it's just the the angle at the end of the show. If you haven't seen it, if you don't watch Being the Elite, you know, the Elite is Marty Scurll, um, Hangman Page, Cody Rhodes. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, and they do a great series on YouTube every week. It's probably the, the best wrestling program that's out every week, and and, and you know they had a big breakup. They, you know Cody and Cody and Kenny. That's why they were the main event. They were feuding this whole time. They main evented for Ring of Honor WrestleMania weekend. They they finally blew it off this past weekend with, a, with an insane matchup. And at the end of it, you had a really hot angle heading towards the biggest season for New Japan, the G1 that's starting. That we're going to talk about very shortly, and it's just. I hate when injuries overshadow what were great wrestling moments, and unfortunately, that's what that's, that show is going to be remembered for. If, if Hiromo does not come back, that show will not be remembered for the, for the for the great angle at the end with the Bullet Club. It'll be remembered for the end of Hiromo's career.
1: Yeah, and that's that's going to be the the key here is that Hiromo seems to be taking this well um, in a, a very positive manner on Twitter. Um, I've seen references from Sean Waltman, X uh, Yep. That you know he suffered a similar injury and came back to have the biggest run of his career. Now, the caveat being he worked an incredibly slower, uh, much safer style, but it actually worked better for him um, because he was able to go on and become uh, you know the the heel one two three kid, X Pac six. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then go on and have his second run as X Pac and the, whole on, the you know, so on and so forth. But I I feel like um this the idea of breaking your neck just like when you hear somebody broke their neck that would paralyzed. Yeah, I think paralyzed, yeah. life is over. But in reality it's really, you know, a vertebrae issue or it could be anything. In the spinal column region, it's a very complex mechanism, and what I learned from from when I fell, you know, carrying the pinball machine, was that with with your neck. Now, I suffered a very bad concussion, so let's let's not say tucking tucking my chin, you know, made me injury free. It did not. I had a, a grade three concussion, and. Uh, It was not my first either, so it was uh, magnified. But in in this case, the doctor was explaining to me how had I not tucked my chin, I would have technically broken my neck, but the level and the angle that I had broken my neck at would have killed me. So the level and angle that Hiromu broke his neck allegedly at yeah, is probably different than mine. And, and, and he has he's, strong, in, he's in better shape than he I. He has
0: a stronger neck than most
1: people do. You yeah, know, it's like, I don't I work on mine neck. at all.
0: You know my my favorite my favorite line ever actually was from Jimmy Jacobs where he told me that he's he was convinced that if he tucked his chin he could survive a plane crash. <laughs> I remember like we're, I think we were driving to a casino or something. Like I forget we were I think we were going to Mohegan Sun and he, he had just gotten his W B job and. uh... I think he goes to me. He's, he's like, he's like, he's like, dude. He's like, I'm convinced, man. If I tuck my chin, I could survive a plane. I'd be the only person to survive a plane crash, no matter how many feet up it is. I just like kind of laughed at him. I was like, I was like, like, I mean, I don't want to try that theory out. It's 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 probably worse than my my theory that if, that if I'm in an elevator that's that's crashing down, if I jump at the right time, yeah, you know, I, I'd avoid the impact. But apparently that doesn't work either. But no, that was that was always that was always a theory of mine. But
1: you know, wrestlers have weird theories. Having having yes, we, oh god, yes. Um, having having been on a plane with Jimmy Jacobs that took off from the New Orleans airport WrestleMania weekend, a couple know, years ago. Uh, yeah, it was the four years uh, ago uh, the one with Brian winning the belt. We all yeah, yeah, yeah. me uh, myself, uh, Jimmy, BJ Whitmer, Truth Martini, and Tadarius Thomas uh, flew back home Sunday morning at like six fifteen, and we had been up for like i don't know 40 hours or whatever over the course of the weekend and i don't drink or do do drugs or of any sort so um for me to be up that long and be sober i'm probably not the most pleasant person to be around but we uh we taxi away right on time at the airport um i'm sitting next to bj truth and uh jimmy across the aisle and tadarius is a couple rows behind us uh clad in a fur coat, by the way, which was hilarious. It was a thousand degrees in New Orleans. And the plane took off and it shut down on the runway. And the pilot comes back on and says, hey guys, uh, we're not going to be flying over the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, We're going to go back to the gate and get fuel. Uh, They have a safety mechanism built in the plane, so if you have no gas uh, in your plane, it will shut off before it takes off. And, you know, Jimmy Jacobs just was like, "All right, cool." And uh, you know, I mean, had we gotten in the air, gotten over the ocean uh, or over the Gulf of Mexico, because we were flying through Atlanta uh, on Southwest, we would have all plunged into the water and been swimming with the fishes. So Jimmy Jacobs could have tested out that tuck his chin theory.
0: <laughs> oh God, I love air travel, but um... oh, it's the worst. But you know the the New Japan show that we had in Long Beach was the kickoff, basically special for um, for the G1 climax that just started, I believe, on Friday. So we're taping this right now on Monday. We're gonna do a second show this week, this coming Thursday, where we're gonna talk about Extreme Rules and, and get more into the G1. But I want to do a little G1 preview for you guys that that didn't really that, that aren't watching or are interested in watching. Obviously, you can watch all the shows on New Japan World. Um, It's available on the Fire Stick. It's available on all those places that you can get the apps going for yourself. And I believe this this year, so unlike other years that they did this, you would have a couple of shows that had commentary that had the major league production. And then you had a couple of shows that were filmed with no commentary, with basically just a steady hard cam on the ring. Uh, It's not the most enjoyable way to watch a wrestling event, especially if you're used to commentary and, and, and cameras cutting. But this one, I believe, has commentary for Every single night, Kevin Kelly and Don Callis do a fantastic job. Obviously, Jim Ross and uh, I hope Jim Ross is recovering too from last week. But Jim Ross and Josh Barnett do the access commentary for Mark Cuban. Um, but you know, Kevin Kelly and Don and Don Callis, Cyrus from the ECW or the Jackal from WWE, um, they they are the commentators. Do a fantastic job. And this year, for the first time in a long time, it, it's really wide open because. Kenny Omega is your IWGP heavyweight champion. And usually what you see in the G1 is that the champion is going to lose a couple of times. And what it does is, because New Japan's booking is very straightforward, is anyone that beats Kenny will probably get a title shot later on this year. And then the winner of the G1 will have a – it's like a Money in the Bank briefcase, but not like the WWE style. It's where you get to basically pick your champ. Like you get to basically pick what title you want to wrestle for. The and you're going to go to the Tokyo Dome for for um you know for the January 4th show for Wrestle Kingdom and you're going to fight the champion in the main event. Now, you have to defend that briefcase from the time you win it to January 4th. So it's a very prestigious tournament, it's a lot of great matches, a lot of great talent, but for the first time in a long time, it's really wide open right now because Okada and Tanahashi are kind of you know going to be at that point now. Tanahashi especially where you get phased down a little bit. I don't think you're going to go back with Okada Omega at the Tokyo Dome. So now you have to start looking around at who's going to step up, who's the next next rising stars for this company. And I think it's going to be a very interesting thing because a guy like Hangman Page, where I don't think he's going to win the G1, should be expected to have a good showing at this point. Tom Matanga, after turning on the Bullet Club, needs to have a big G1. He needs to go out there and crush it because he needs to now establish himself as a main eventer because he's in a main event angle. And there's just so many guys out there. It's so wide open. I honestly, for the first time in a long time, Jay White, right? Great heel. Had a great performance with Juice Robinson. who's also in the G1. You have to see what these guys do. Do they step up? Do they do it? What's going to happen? And I think it's a really big moment for them. You know, Nido won last year. Um, Nido won the the G1 last year in a fantastic, uh, fantastic tournament for him. He, he failed his opportunity against Okada on, on January 4th earlier this year. I don't think he's going to win. So I think it's I think from a, from, a, from a drama standpoint, from a fan standpoint, this is going to be the most dramatic G1 ever. And I'm really looking forward to being able to sit down. Um, I haven't gotten to watch the matches yet. I have um, my comedy debut tomorrow, my stand-up comedy debut tomorrow. So I've been really studying a lot of comedy and working on my set list. But from a fan standpoint, I'm going to watch – I'm going to get all caught up by Thursday – I'm really excited to see where the drama of this goes.
1: I'm, I'm super intrigued as well. And obviously my favorite wrestler, and I don't think we've even referenced this on this show. I know we have on, on my other show, An Honorable Mention. But my favorite wrestler in the whole world is not Kenny Omega. It's not Kota Ibushi. It's not Okada. It's not Naito. It's Minoru Suzuki. And personally... To me, I would love to see him win and be able to main event the Tokyo Dome. The man is north of 50, but he is the most believable and intense wrestler I've ever seen, uh, both in person and on tape. I was fortunate enough to see him on one of Ring of Honor's uh, World War of the Worlds or Global Wars or whatever it is, tours. Um the man looks like he will kill you just by looking at you and <laughs> smells like a carton of cigarettes. He's the scariest man on the planet. Uh, yeah. I, and to me, if you put him in Omega at, as the headliner and then you kind of set up maybe Ibushi against Zack Sabre and then, you know, something with maybe Okada and Jericho uh, or Okada and Jay White uh, in a battle of chaos. Uh, you know, the winner, winner gets to take over the leadership of chaos. And then maybe Tanahashi, Tanahashi and Jericho. Um, that's a pretty good, heavy, heavy group up top. Um, and that doesn't yeah. even figure in Naito. I mean, there's new Japan has such a wealth of talent and you have to, you know, figure out a way to push Tama up the cards. If the Tongan firing squad is going to be a big thing. Um, I'm not very confident in that group myself, even though I'm a big Tama Tonga fan. Um, you know, Bad Luck Fale is going to be a part of that side of the the battle with the Bullet Club, so you know I'm sure that's going to result in some sort of multi man tag team war. Maybe the Bucks will defend their their belts against uh, the Gorillas of Destiny. Something along those lines. You've got Juice Robinson coming off the best match of his career against Jay White. I, the G1 is, is so open, but personally, for me, if I'm picking a winner, Pick I want to see Minoru Suzuki beat Ibushi in the finals. I you know that, I
0: could see I could see that possibly being a thing. I, see, if I was gonna make a, if I'm making a Nostradale's prediction right now. And I'm putting on the genie hat, and I'm going to make my prediction. For me, I would say I, I'm going to go with Abushi winning winnings. I think Abushi versus Kenny main event Tokyo Dome. I think that's a big draw. I think that's a special thing for um, for those of you who don't who wouldn't know the context there. Kota and Kenny were the biggest stars for a company called DDT, and uh, DDT is a in is like an independent pro wrestling level company in Japan, and. For those of you that don't understand uh, the way Japanese wrestling works and the culture there is very few people leave the company they start with to go other places. There's very few freelance guys because you you have a loyalty towards your company, towards the company you're working for. But occasionally there's things called like – it's almost like a graduation ceremony. Like when Pac became Neville in WWE, I was there for his last show, Kobe World, 2013 or 2012. And they did a graduation ceremony at the end of that big show. The whole roster comes out. They're throwing them up in the air. They're all giving speeches to them, thanking them, thanking them, thanking them. Him going to WWE as a graduation. Kira graduation ceremony to go there. Kenta, graduation ceremony to go to go WWE. So it's when you when you look at things like that for Kenny and Ibushi to go to New Japan and become the stars they are, it'd be like the same thing I guess from like that hardcore fan base as getting like a Daniel Bryan and CM Punk in a main event of a WrestleMania a couple of years ago, if that was ever to happen. You get what I'm saying? So I, I think that that's the money storyline right there. I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but I think that it's, again, it's a very wide open G1. For those of you that are going to be trying it out for the first time, take this advice from me. Skip to the G1 matches. Don't try to watch four-hour cards over and over again, because the way they do it is there's an A block and a B block. And when the A block guys are having their tournament matches on the show, the B block guys are in multi-man matches earlier in the show and then they flip flop it around the multi-man matches are good for storyline purposes as far as what's going to happen down the road or it's going to get ready for this tournament that's going on and like you know maybe you'll, you'll see guys match up and stuff like that to kind of build up their matches they're going to be having later on in the week or later on during the tournament but from a, t- just a strictly time constrained pur- uh, time and, uh, purpose just watch the G1 matches it's probably going to be about an hour, hour and a half of your life every day but it's going to be the best hour and a half of your life every day that you're going to watch as far as wrestling goes
1: Yeah, and and let's also you know remember that a lot of the guys in each of these, uh, in in the G one are not going to actually be wrestling each other. There's two blocks of wrestling. Two blocks, correct. There's an A block and a B block. So in this year's G one, you have the A block featuring Yoshihashi, Bad Luck Fale, Evil, Minoru Suzuki, and Kazuchika Okada. You also have Jay White, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Michael Elgin, Hangman Page, and Togi Makabe. Whereas in the B block, you have Tomohiro Ishii, Tomatonga, Haruki Godo, Kota Ibushi, Kenny Omega, Tetsuya Naito, Zack Sabre Jr., Sonata, Juice Robinson, and Toru Yano. Which one of these is not like the other? <laughs> <laughs> So, so this is actually a topic of discussion that I had with a friend of mine the other day. Uh, I I think Toruyanu is a great comedy wrestler. I have no idea why he's in the G1 every year. Because because every it, it, single year. Because he's a break. I I get it, but it, it's an, it, it only works. Like, figure out somebody else to be a break. Enough. I- I,
0: I, I, listen, you're,
1: you're, like you're doing
0: nine hard matches to have a to have a match with, with with him where you get the one day off. It's almost like it's like a bye week in football.
1: hmm I, I, I get it. I get why they
0: do it. it you it's just you want it. You, I you want, want somebody ma- else
1: in that spot. You,
0: you want it like match six or seven. You don't want him night one because no. that that you know you don't want to go that eight matches straight. You know, but you, you want that little break in between with him. I, I, I get why the is popular with the audience, and that, that just that just works for
1: that audience. Like the crowd loves him. You can't deny that. No, I, I just... I don't get the appeal of... Like, I understand he's their version of, like, Colt Cabana or uh, The New Day. Um, and he can... When he's serious, he can actually have a pretty decent match. But to me... If I'm doing a G1 tournament like this, and I'm looking at my roster, and I'm saying, okay, we've gone to this well now, like six or seven straight years. Yeah. Maybe we need to like throw somebody else in there. Because I I almost view working with Bad Luck Fale as kind of the same thing. thing. Oh, absolutely. Because it's not comedy-based, but it's a shorter match... He's a little more of a brawl type, which which lead a brawler type, which leads to a safer, you know, less bumps on the head, um, you know, which is fine. Somebody like that, I guess you could like you could have put um, Tonga Loa in that spot, right? Or you know maybe Yujiro Takahashi. I mean anybody, but. Toru Yano and that's not knock Yano it's just enough already you've seen it you know what he does he's there to lose matches and you know um the guy uh he just came back from a neck injury um oh uh, uh, uh oh god uh, the big Japan guy yeah um, yeah. um he, he, he was on the Final Battle uh, 2003 way back in the day um oh god uh, the headbutt does the diving headbutt off the top um, he like somebody like that who lost every match in the G1 and then finally got one pinfall in the G1 that's a great storyline because he's not having uh, you know these big long drawn out matches um, and it's, it's it's like enough with Toru and I'm trying to figure out who this guy is and it's driving me nuts I can't think of the guy's name uh, I, I, it's gonna it's gonna
0: drive me I, I, it's gonna when you say it I'm gonna know it and it's gonna drive me nuts that I don't know what off the top of my head right now
1: mm-hmm. oh Hanma oh to, yeah Tomiaki 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 Hanma Hama. yeah yeah there we go thank you so you I, know, can, a, I can go around with the rest of my day now cause
0: am nuts. <laughs> not the nuts not to side check too, too randomly here but um I'm looking I'm sitting at my desk right so I'm talking to you on Skype we're we'll recording this whole thing and I look up and I just realized I still had this thing. What's the weirdest, like, most useless sports memorabilia thing or thing that you have of someone that you loved but, like, that, like really didn't become the star you were supposed to become and, like, you don't love them anymore? Because I'm currently holding, and I will treat a picture of this after the podcast drops fully, a Jeremy Shockey doll. <laughs> because I thought Jeremy Shockey was going to be the biggest star in football. Um, he played that first – it was actually the Texans' first game ever, the Hall of Fame game. The Texans debut season where he goes running down like Mark Pervaro and just knocking people on their asses. I was like, this guy's going to be the greatest thing ever. He had long blonde hair. He looked like a pro wrestler. He was like my, my hero and idol. And he really had a disappointing career. And I have the Jeremy Shockey doll right here, right in front of me, that I've never gotten rid of for
1: some reason. That was in a stadium about uh, three minutes from my front door.
0: Yeah, in Canton.
1: Yeah. So, I, I just just a, you know, random sidetrack, but I'm looking, I looked
0: up this Jeremy Shockey doll just now and I said, you know, it's I don't know if the Ric Flair poster hanging in the bedroom, uh, the cardboard cutout of Ric Flair, or the uh, or, or the Jeremy Shockey dolls is more scary to people. But um, for a 33 year old bachelor, I'm starting to put, I'm starting to understand why I'm a bachelor.
1: I uh, I will raise your random Jeremy Shockey doll with. Uh, it's not in my house right now because. As we talked about, I am uh, planning on upgrading from my present house. I need more space in my office. I spent a lot of time in this tiny little room. And as you can see on the Skype, it's not very big. And this is my home office. So um, I need a bigger office. I need a third bedroom in my house. Going to need a bigger boat. Going to need a bigger boat. And, uh, you know, I've got a nice size house, but it's time to get the yard and the full deal. I live in a condo now. So, um... In my garage, in a box with a bunch of my other old Cavs stuff, I have a 1997, I think, starting lineup, uh, the old starting lineup action figure, mint in box. It's got a protective plastic case around it of Sean Kemp. Sean Kemp. See how No, from when he played for the Cavs. After he was already a drunk? Yeah. So I'll give you a real quick Sean Kemp story, right? So the Cavs trade for Sean Kemp. They cut into the Indians game to make the announcement. Right. Because Twitter and websites and such didn't exist. So this was like 1995 or 96. The Indians are like the best team in baseball at this point. They're cutting in to say, hey, the Cavs just acquired Sean Kemp. So fast forward a couple of years, uh, I'm working for my dad, and my dad was a lawyer. My dad also had a collection agency, and one of our clients was a local attorney, and he did a lot of uh, child support cases, uh, dealt with domestic violence, things of that nature. Well, local woman hired him, and she owed him some money for handling a Uh, child support case right and we get a check in the mail from her at least her name was on the outside of the envelope so I knew exactly who it was and so I I hand the the envelope over to my dad because he would do some of our accounting and then I would take everything down to the bank and at he calls me into his office and his office was kind of away from the rest of us. It was in like a little private secluded area in case he would have a a client in. And I went back there and I said, yeah, what's going on dad? And he goes, look who signed this check. And I looked down and I looked up and I looked back down again. And I, I shit you guys not. um, It was a, Payment in full for this woman's custody case from Sean Kemp. Doesn't he? Well, he has like 15 kids, doesn't he? He, he has 12 kids uh, by 10 women. See, at least Antonio, number. at least Cromartie has it with the same woman. No, Cromartie has three wives, two ex-wives, and a current wife. Oh really? I thought, Cromart- yeah. I thought I thought all the Cromarties' kids were like the same uh, with, with the same woman. I am a frequent watcher of the reality show. He's got two two ex wives. It's a great reality show, by the way. If you're not watching uh, the Cromarties on USA after the Chrisleys, which is also another gem of a television show, uh, I would encourage everybody I, to watch that I, show.
0: I, I have never watched a minute of, of, of Chrisley Knows Best because it looks like the I don't even know who the guy is. I don't even know how like I don't, I don't know I how don't that guy either. got a show. Like like that I is like no the biggest that's the biggest mystery in my life right like for years because like they would always advertise it when you'd watch Raw or Smackdown you know and like I would watch a lot of wrestling bust it open I had to do his thing and like legitimately had no idea who this guy is or how the hell he got a TV show
1: and it like always drove me nuts he's apparently he was like a fashion guy that had like a fashion line but he went broke investing in like a brick and mortar store you know like a, a chain of brick and mortar stores but somehow, Amazon. somehow he got on USA, and the guy's got a bunch of family drama. But Todd Chrisley, I, I would love to have the opportunity to interview Todd Chrisley or his, either any of his kids. I think the show is a riot. Um, I don't know how, of it, how much of it's worked, but the the ability for that guy to translate his goofiness. On to the show. I, I just, I have such joy when I watch that show for 30 minutes. Um, it's it's something that, it's mindless TV. And I, I just think they do such a great job presenting him as this complete goofball that cares about his kids. Uh, if you want mindless TV that's entertaining, the challenge on MTV
0: is the best TV show going. It's, it's, the, it's the fifth American sport. It's better than hockey. God.
1: No, the challenge is better than hockey. I, I I've never watched the challenge, but I, I know a couple people that do, and I, I just I you, can't I you can't don't, imagine you
0: don't you don't know the origins of the Miz. You don't watch the challenge. No,
1: I, the origins of the Miz were when he used to date my neighbor when he that was on the Real it, World. No, but no, 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 no. He Miz. was calling himself the Miz. He was like I am the Miz,
0: but he became the okay. Miz on the he became the Miz on the challenge. He's a challenge legend. Hosts cha- champs for stars all the time. Dude, 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 you gotta start like. You gotta. Watch. It's on Tuesday nights, ten o'clock. MTV. It's a fantastic season. That's when the Crislys are on. It's way better than the Crislys, bro. Like the challenge is a thousand times better than the don't know. Well, maybe the DVR will tell me otherwise. I don't know. But you know, we we, we um, I, I digress a little too far there because there's one other news story from this from from this. One show that we need to get into, and that is
1: Brock Lesnar's return to the UFC. And we, we have two more things we have to cover today, actually. Have, oh, I forgot about the I buried the big yeah. one, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, you buried the the headliner. I did bury the headliner. Did Bro- Brock is uh, Brock's coming in uh, second from the top for the first time in a while?
0: So 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 Lesnar is going to UFC to challenge for the for the heavyweight title against Daniel Cormier, who is technically only lost one fight in his entire career but he's lost both times to John Jones but because of drug testing failures and other stuff they get overturned but um Cormier knocked out Cleveland's own Steve Amiochik yeah after after poking him in the eye um and then Brock Lesnar came in threw Cormier around like a rag doll and um like pushed him so far the guy went flying to build up for what's gonna become a January super fight I guess because that's when Lesnar's eligible to do it again Looks like Lesnar's WWE career is on its way out, which I'd say good riddance. Not because uh, he's a part timer not because of any of that, but just because he's had diminishing returns ever since the Braun Strowman match, where he just does not look good in the ring or as good as he once did. And I think that it's time for him to go. That being said, it's gonna be a big deal for UFC. UFC's gonna make a lot of money off this fight. I'm gonna order it. I'll probably have a party at my house for it. I'll invite a bunch of people. And we're going to have a good time. And if you live in the area, in the New York area, when this fight happens, maybe I'll raffle off one lucky person can come watch the fight here at my, at my villa and, and we'll have a good old time. But I'm really looking forward to Lesnar's return. I think he's going to smoke Cormier. I think they're equal wrestlers. I think he's way too big for Cormier. And then I think whoever Lesnar faces next probably smokes him because Lesnar does not have um, the toughness as far as chin goes for a lot of heavyweight power. But he's a strong wrestler, and I think he can. Uh, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna smoke Cormier.
1: So here, here's what I've learned in about the last uh, 20, 20, 25 minutes. Because I literally don't know anything about UFC. Um, I, I've watched it from time to time, but like the names kind of run together. I, I don't know if I could pick some of the guys out of the lineup. I did watch Cormier and Stipe because Stipe is from Cleveland, and for those that don't know, Stipe is actually a full-time firefighter. For for one of the local municipalities in, in the Cleveland area. Um, so I don't know how much money he's making doing this UFC stuff, but. A couple hundred grand a fight. He's still doing the firefighter gig on the reg, though, which is amazing to me. Gotta have but benefits, bro. I guess. I mean, that, my God. 200 grand, would, 200 grand for a fight, you should be able to pay for benefits for a why year? Would you? Why, why would you ever give up a state pension? That's true. Um, the fact that they're letting him have the time off, especially in the state of Ohio, is even more insane to me.
0: F- Firefighters get a lot of swings. Firefighting, firefighting is like the best job in the world if you, if you discount the whole like running into a fire thing.
1: Yeah, it's like it's, it's like you get the more get more days off than teachers. It's, it's unbelievable to me. Uh, I, I grew up with somebody that's a fire, a local firefighter. Maybe I'll talk to him about those days off thing. But um, I did watch Cormier and Stipe, and, and Daniel Cormier reminded me a lot of Taz. Um, <laughs> because e- he's short and bulky, ECW Taz, he just he had like a presence to him. Like like a killer presence. Um and and it just I, once he poked deep in the eye, I, it was like okay, that's done. You know, obviously LeBron had just left the pre- couple days previous, so uh, I kind of knew what was coming. It's the the Cleveland momentum as we call it here. Um I think he's going to beat Brock. You guys just, are having a you guys are having a big Cleveland Steamer party now, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, the Indians took two two from the Yankees over the weekend, and uh, I was at one of them. So, um, you know, I, I'll take what I can get. The Browns are going to the playoffs this year too, according to. I, 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 according I really to my want brother. To- I really want to know, you
0: know, and, and I'm curious what the fans think because, again, like we don't have the technology right now to, to, to take phone calls and stuff like that. But I, because we're not doing the show live, I, I really are you guys even interested in Brock Lesnar and UFC? Like these are things I want to know because I haven't really been following it because, like, I, I I'm interested in it, but I'll watch anything. I like fights, so it's just something I'm into. Uh, I'm into, but you know, I, I, I don't want to dedicate too much time to it this many months out. Um, I think when we go into extreme rules later on this week I think we'll talk more about Brock Lesnar And we'll, we'll talk about what happens on Raw tonight Because I, I'm very interested to see who his opponent for SummerSlam is going to be And what the reaction to him tonight is But, um, you know, I, I, I buried the lead for far too long today I would like to apologize for that But, um, you know, as a Brooklyn, New York native You know, you know Madison Square Garden, the Barclays They're, they're two very important places to me And Kenneth Fareed coming to the Nets is a really big story. <laughs> I, 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 like, Kenneth Fareed's going to be playing at the Barclays. There was a time where as a Knicks fan, I won the trade for Kenneth Farid, and now he's going to the Nets. And you know what, man? It's like it's almost like Brooklyn, the Barclays Center, is getting the A talent, and, and the Garden's not. But I guess that kind of depends upon how you view WrestleMania weekend and what show you want to go to on a Saturday night because... The biggest news of my wrestling lifetime this past week, the real news, the one that I buried, the one I still can't believe is happening Ring of Honor and New Japan are going to be running Madison Square Garden WrestleMania weekend. And (sighs) New York City, we had a Super Bowl here. We obviously had WrestleMania 1, we had WrestleMania 2, we had WrestleMania 20. We had whatever WrestleMania that was at the freaking MetLife Stadium, the old Giants Stadium. New York City swallows things up. It's an interesting city in that regard because you can walk around Manhattan and the Super Bowl. New York doesn't stop for anything. So like WrestleMania coming here, like everyone's going to be excited. You're coming to New York doing all these things. But... You know, that WrestleMania is going to be in East Rutherford, New Jersey, and NXT is probably going to be at the Barclays Center, and God knows where Access is going to be, and now this thing's at the Garden. And it's a nightmare to get around New York City. Traveling wise, the pain in the ass. you got to, have to go through the Lincoln Tunnel, the Holland Tunnel to get to Jersey. It's going to be traffic, traffic, traffic. Our subway system sucks, people don't know how to, how to ride it Subway system's also scary Freaking Drew McIntyre, who's like six ten, I think he told me He's never ridden a New York subway Like, it's like we, we had a show at a like, dude, he's like oh, I never got a subway in New York I'm like, really? Like, I don't blame him, the subway's fucking scary It's a scary place, the subway Manhattan Transit's a, a horrible thing But what's interesting to me about the Barclays thing is If you've never been to the Barclays Center Or if you came in for SummerSlam or you came in for whatever Downtown Brooklyn's a pain in the ass it's just a pain in the ass to get to. The, 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 if you drive there, the highways you take are kind of confusing. It gets very congested. You know the, That last two-mile stretch is going to take you about 20 minutes to get down, especially with that much traffic. The parking situation at the Barclays is not great. They finally added a parking lot down there, but it's not the greatest place to park. It's very pain in the ass to get to. So getting to Madison Square Garden for most people – it's going to be a lot easier. You can you can walk around Manhattan if you want to go, you know, check out the sites. You can go to the most most, most famous arena. Going to the Barclays Center is a, a little bit more of a pay- for me as a New Yorker. Going to the Barclays is a bigger pain in the ass than going to Man- Madison Square Garden. So I, I'm curious to see what the split's going to be on the crowd because I know for my money, I would go to New Japan and Ring of Honor at the Garden just to see like the first show at Madison Square Garden that's not WWE in in, in I mean my lifetime.
1: In, I think in anybody's lifetime, I don't know off the top of my head the last time somebody else ran a pro wrestling show there. WCW so um, did the Paramount Theater, right? Right, and that was so that, in '99. I want to. And for say. those
0: you don't, don't for those who don't know that, that there's a theater inside Madison Square Garden, it's called the Paramount Theater. So like they, the closest they got to the Garden was the Paramount Theater, you know. And, and it's just it, it's I'm telling you, like you know, people. I don't know if you guys know how big this is. I don't know if you realize how big this is. This is a major, major thing. The reason why WWE doesn't run Madison Square Garden a lot, um, it is a money loser. A lot of acts lose money in Madison Square Garden. Um, you got to understand something. Uh, it's all union down there. You know, it's it's all local stuff, local this, local that. You know, Ring of Honor's not going to be able to bring. They're going to bring in their sound guys. They're going to bring in their stuff, but the union's going to be there, watching and, and running the cords and running this and running that. It, it it doesn't matter if you're the Rangers, if you're the Knicks. Whatever musician it is, you they you know the union's in there running everything. So you're paying, you know, um, not prevailing wage, but you're paying union rate for all this labor. You're paying a big rental fee for this place. You do not make money running Madison Square Garden. Uh, acts come there and run Madison Square Garden to say they work the garden. That's why you do it. Um, Billy Joel probably makes money at the garden because he's there monthly, but most acts lose money at the garden. WWE loses money at the garden. Uh, Because of how much it costs To rent the place It's not It's cost prohibitive And it's going to be interesting It's a major, major thing For Ring of Honor in New Japan I don't know what kind of ticket pricing You'd have to do to make a profit Um, But as far as a business stance um, Business move uh, They have the money to back it up They can lose the money They're going to lose it at night Just for the prestige of being there But it is a money loser Running the Garden There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it I know about the Garden very well um I have local electricians that work there that are friends of mine. Like it, it's it's a money loser, but and James Dolan's a moron. But you know, it's it's a big it's a big step up for Ring of Honor in New Japan, no doubt. I mean they took a clear, clear shot at WWE with that move,
1: and it is huge. Yeah, this this is something that to me it says, Okay, we're serious about taking that next step. Right. And I th- I think the the big story here is not just that they're running Madison Square Garden, it's that the little company that could that that has survived scandals. It's survived talent being raided. It's survived injuries. It's survived Jim Cornette. It's, <laughs> it, it it has gone through literally everything negative that could possibly happen to a pro wrestling company other than somebody dying in the ring, God forbid that ever happens again, um, they have survived and thrived. And now they're partnering with New Japan. So you're going to have Sinclair splitting the cost with New Japan, which I think is a big factor here. But the company that went from the Murphy Rec Center, which held 200 people, is now running the world's most famous arena to me as a longtime ring of honor fan that blows my mind blows my mind the fact that i know i'm going to be sitting in the front row at the garden wrestlemania weekend which by the way this is public breaking news i am flying in saturday morning and i am flying out sunday morning so i will be You're coming just for one you coming just for one show yeah yeah I'm, I'm not sticking around for for any of the other hijinks. I, if they weren't running the garden and they were running somewhere else, I wasn't even going. I, the, uh, I, I just I can't I can't do that. It's it's too much every year to travel and be away. And um, I take a lot of a, a lot of time to visit my family in, in Colorado and Florida. And I just don't like flying.
0: Well, I don't I don't blame you on the flying. I hate airports personally, but um, I picked the wrong profession for that. But uh, it's just, it's just honestly, like it's, it's a big, big night. Um, I'm excited to see how it goes. I'm really excited to see if they sell out. I'm excited to see where the fans go. I think this is going to this is going to do a lot of damage to the local weekend because it's going to smoke. It's going to it's going to really crush WrestleCon. It's going to hurt other companies. There's no
1: well, there's, WrestleCon's running their super show on Thursday. If people were smart, and, 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 and you know, I, I didn't watch. I, full disclosure:
0: I have not seen a single Marvel movie. In that Marvel uh, cinematic universe that I'm like 26 movies behind on now. But I do know what happened in, uh, what the hell was it, Infinity War? Uh,
1: so, the, one, the one with the, the super bad guy, the. Yeah, Thanos, th- Thanos or whatever. Yeah. Okay.
0: yeah, it sucked. If, if everyone's smart, if wrestling's smart, they're starting to work together, which is nice. The Jericho Cruz has New Japan, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, um, you know, everyone's starting to work together. The WWE is Thanos. Everyone else needs to become the Avengers. And everyone needs to work together if you're gonna if you're gonna even compete with that company. So Ring of Honor competing with that Impact Wrestling, those days you're done. Work together. Form a super team and do what they're doing now. And that is the key to having a real true viable number two in this country. For the first time in my life, I can honestly say there's a number two in this country because you're running the garden. If they sell out the garden, I mean all in the ten thousand fans, that's off of YouTube. That is literally off of the YouTube series. If they do this I, I'm telling you the, the shirts are in Hot Topic they do the garden they sell the garden it is gonna make 2019 a very interesting year in pro wrestling and I am very excited already for that weekend just because of that one just because of that news right there
1: what, what do you think they go with as a main event uh, it's too early to tell too early too, too early to tell. So I don't know
0: who's gonna be free agent it, it, honestly like it
1: Let's Daniel. just say it's the current group that they have available to them now. No Brian. Um, I guess we could throw Punk's name in there as an eligible character, but he he's obviously not interested in wrestling. I, I don't think we'll ever see him wrestle again. But let's just, for, for the purposes of this discussion, let's say anybody that's presently under a WWE contract, not available. Everybody else on the table.
0: I would go oh god, if it was me, what would I do? I would do It's K you gotta go Kenny Omega. hmm I would do IWGP champion versus Ring of Honor champion as the main event. Can't do that.
1: Can't have your you can't have one champion lose. Yeah, you can. On the biggest night of the year, absolutely. I think that buries the title though. That says one title is superior to the other. Title was title match. I have. okay. I, I could get into that. Um, so at that point, I would say that the ring of honor world champion is probably going to be Cody Rhodes. Uh, if I had to guess, um, I, I know Dalton Castle's not giving it back. That guy's banged up. Well, okay. Um, well, listen, you're a bigger ring of honor fan than me. So I, I would who, go, Who, who I would, could main event
0: the garden from ring of honor from Cody Rhodes. could main event the Garden. Yes.
1: Okay. That's it. Well, that's it. That's it. Jeez, the can't make it a garden. Mm, no, I, I just so don't Stone Castle can't make it a no. garden. Oh no. <laughs> no. Um, you know, it, it, it it's not the same Ring of Honor that was 10 years ago or no, you, you got to go you got to go Cody
0: the Bucks or um or Kenny. Those those are the main those are those are viable main eventers for the
1: garden. Yeah, and it, I would say Kenny I w- I would do If I was them, I I would have two main events. I would have uh, Omega Okada because I I would like to see that match done stateside. So you do Omega Okada 5. Yes, and I would do, you know, I I don't know necessarily if I would give them, you know, 75 minutes to do their thing this time through. But obviously, you know, they're going to have a guaranteed tremendous match that... I'm sure, you know, multiple journalists will, will rate higher than, than normal. And then I would, I would have uh, – I would probably do, like, Kota Ibushi, uh, you know, again, somebody from Ring of Honor, like one of their top guys. And then I would have – from the Ring of Honor side, the Ring of Honor main event, uh, I think you need to go Cody Rhodes – and I think you need to go Marty Skrull. Um, I think that's your your main event from the Ring of Honor side, unless they can figure out a way to convince CM Punk to do one more match. Uh,
0: it's uh, you know Dan, Brian hasn't resigned his contract with WWE yet, so I mean that, that's, that's to an look option. At. Yeah. But we have to see how that plays out over the next couple of months. It's gonna be interesting. It's crazy that we can already talk about WrestleMania next year being so big, and we're not talking about who's gonna main event for WWE. We're talking about who's main eventing for Ring of Honor in New Japan. I, I think that really shows what we're at, what, what we're at right now.
1: Um, you know, it's, it's
0: gonna be an interesting time. But
1: this is the biggest step in pro wrestling made since the WWE bought it's WCW not. in 2001.
0: Yeah, no, this is this is Nitro. This is Nitro going live. You know, this is this is a big shot in wrestling. It's, it's going to be a big change for things, and I think it's going to be exciting to watch. Yeah. Almost as exciting as doing two shows this week. Uh,
1: yeah, almost. I mean, listen, if we're doing two shows in one week, we got to deliver two great main events, and uh, we do. We do. Boy, we're gonna have we're gonna have G1's talk uh, to, to reference on the next show uh, for the first three nights. I have not seen any of it because I've been doing uh, a lot of other things. It's Been a busy weekend here for me. Um, yeah, I was at the Indian Yankees game on Friday. I was at the WWE House Show uh, in Canton on Saturday, which uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, later in the week uh, on our second episode because that was it was an interesting. Uh, perspective to be at. I haven't been to a house show in probably 20 years. So, And, and I have my stand-up comedy debut tomorrow at the Yorktown Grill, so we'll be talking about that later on in the week. Yeah, we're going to talk about Larry's stand-up. Maybe we'll play a little bit of his act uh, if he would be so kind to share that with us. I think that'd be great. Oh, scary. Um and, comedy, uh, comedy,
0: comedy is the scariest thing I've ever done in my life by, by the way for the record for anybody. Co- comedy is the most alone you'll ever feel on a stage doing anything. It's the, it's the most petrifying thing in the world and I hate my boss for convincing me to do it but we'll see how it goes tomorrow
1: night. Well I, I'm sure you're gonna break a leg and, and get everybody popping and hey maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll have you have you back.
0: So, uh, let's do some let's do some plug time. Our music guy, what's his what's his so, Twitter so stuff? So
1: we want to plug uh, Zach Johnson. Zach's our, our guy who does our intro and outro. He also does the intro and outro for an honorable mention. Um, his Twitter is at Radio ZT. And August seventeenth, he's making his pro wrestling commentary debut, which is something he's very excited about for Pro Wrestling Affliction. Their Twitter is at PW underscore Affliction. And the main event on that show, um, it's in Muncie, Indiana, uh, for all you Indiana folk out there, uh, is Michael Elgin and A.R. Fox going one-on-one. So uh, that should be an exciting match for Zach to call, and we appreciate Zach's hard work on uh, literally, like, I'll send him the audio file, and, you know, very shortly thereafter, we'll have the final product to put out for you guys. So uh, go over, give Zach a follow. Thank him for his hard work. He does the sound for an honorable mention as well. Um, Zach is, is a longtime friend of mine. I've actually known him almost as long as I've known you. There you go. Look at yeah, you're, rolling, you're rolling with high rollers, baby. Yeah, and Zach hosts a radio show in, in Indiana um, in the afternoons, uh, plays some rock music, so... Uh, You know, be sure to check him out. I'm sure he's got his schedule, uh, his on-air schedule on his Twitter page. He's a great dude and uh, a good friend of mine. So give him some support. Thank him for doing the intros for us. And, uh, you know, be sure to check out an honorable mention um, at an honorable pod on Twitter uh, with myself and Shane Hagedorn. This week we're going to talk Northern Navigation, which was ROH's first trip to Canada uh, we've got a bunch of other shows upcoming that we'll will preview all the rest of July and August uh, this week. We've got our schedule set, so uh, looking forward to that. Um, and I'm mostly looking forward to hearing your stand-up bit once we get off the air. <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll give you a little. I'll give you a couple little secret ones before.
0: Uh, before. On Thursday, I'll, I'll say some jokes on Thursday for people. Um, but I will let you know some things before – once we get off there. But people have to wait until Thursday to hear my actual stand-up comedy bits.
1: Cool. They're well, kind of offensive. Well, that's – you know, George Carlin is one of the most offensive comics of all time. And I would say George Carlin is probably the funniest person to ever walk the face of the earth. So I, I would agree with that statement. And he's a you know, New Yorker. And he's a New Yo- – hey, dude, he never
0: got sick because he went swimming in the Hudson River. That's right. Smart guy. So uh, our show podcast – our show Twitter handle is on scene with LD – I'm uh, Larry Dallas NY on Twitter. If you want me personally, and you are at the Jeff Schwartz, right? Am yep. still getting that right? That's me. So we're gonna do two shows for you this week. Last week, um, you know, I've had some, had some things going on. A very busy week, doing a bunch of different things. So I wanted to get two out for you guys this week because I wanted to keep on schedule. Um, it's nice being your own boss because when Jeff wanted to do something last week and I was busy, I just told him to fuck off. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, dude, we'll do two next week. But I can do that now because I can't get fired. I can't fire myself. It's the greatest job ever. Yeah. And. Uh, but well, we we're going to have two coming up for you this week, so stick around. I um,
1: hope you enjoy this one. And and go over on uh, the Twitter page, On Scene with LD, uh, I put up a poll about Brock Lesnar, uh, if you're excited to see him back in the Octagon, if that matters to you, yes or no. So uh, go go and vote. Um, we'll, we'll have some results for you when we tape later in the week as to where we're at with that. And, uh, you know, we appreciate the support from everybody, the social media, uh backup has been awesome and we appreciate all the feedback too
0: absolutely man i I, I truly love you guys i appreciate you guys following me on the journey it's on the scene with larry dallas for a reason because i'm taking you through my life or my opinions through my eyes, and I could not do that without you guys. If I didn't have an audience, this would be basically just a solo masturbation show, and I'd be sitting. Well, I am sitting here in my underwear right now, but that's another benefit of working from home. But the point still being is, I can't do this without you guys. So I really appreciate you guys constantly having my back. Um, I got a really nice message. I just want to say this before I before I wrap up. A guy messaged me yesterday. He goes, "Hey brother, Dallas disciple here." Really love the first on-the-scene episode. I actually got to meet you SummerSlam weekend last year. Took the time to talk to me and my girlfriend and shoot the shit at McMahons. Keep doing what you're doing all behind you. And honestly, that's why I still do this. That's why I grind because... You guys mean more to me than I can ever put into words, and I'm so very happy to be able to do this with you guys, happy to do this with Jeff, and I can't wait. Dude, I'm excited for, for last week, for, for later on in the week, so looking forward to it, guys.
1: Yep, we'll be taping it uh, Wednesday evening, uh, because Thursday I've got some stuff going on, and uh, in the evening, and then Friday as well, and it'll be out on Friday at the normal time of uh, 4 o'clock Eastern time, so... And then we'll um, keep on schedule, I promise. I'm yeah, not we're going to try... Lazy. Zach's taking a vacation from work August 6th through the 10th, so we'll have something out a little early that week. Um, you know, we'll rec- record a little early, maybe do a special... We'll do some Q&A, maybe. You guys want maybe to do a and a Q&A show? Q- Q&A, or we'll do a
0: watch-along to an event I just randomly pick. We'll do something.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll have a little fun, and... Uh, you know, just guys, we, we just greatly appreciate the support. I, I can't tell you guys how much it means when people tell me, Hey, you, you did a great job keeping him in line. <laughs> that that's you know, that literally was something that popped into my DMs the other day and I was like, uh, he's an adult. He's doing his job. I'm doing Dude, my job. That's doing great of the day. job keep keeping me in line. You know, that's uh Huh.
0: Oh, well, thank you for that support, there, pal. Was it my mother that messaged you? No,
1: it was not. <laughs> it was not. It was. Uh, it, it was uh, actually. I'll, I'll tell you who it was off the air because I don't want to get into the full the full story. All right. All
0: right. Well, anyway, this has been a great episode of On the Scene. Anything else I have
1: to plug? You're the professional here, not me. Uh, just hey, an honorable mention podcast, uh, myself and Shane Aginor, recapping Ring of Honor events from over the years inside baseball perspective. Uh, you know, it was basically Conrad and Bruce, um, you know, without all the, the bullshit. And, uh, you know, we, we, we have nothing left to hide from Ring of Honor, so – Um, All the bodies that were buried, they're out in the open, and we talk about it and uh, tell some fun stories, and, you know, uh, we've received, you know, a ton of great compliments from people out there, and it it just, it means a lot to me. Um, These are two passion projects for me. Larry is one of my best friends. Shane is also one of my best friends. We're not trying to do this to get rich. Um, Oh! Wait, immediately, we're not trying to do this. We're trying to build the brand so that we can get rich. And then I can retire from my regular job, um, but until that day comes, this is a very much a passion project for both of me, both of us, and um, just want to keep this thing growing. Absolutely, keep on growing. That's all we can do.
0: Doing two episodes this week. It's like I'm working a full time schedule again. I can't believe it. Well. So. I really appreciate everybody. So we'll be back on uh, Friday with uh, Extreme Rules, G1 stuff, and anything else that happens. Uh, maybe I'll break down that. Hulk that Hogan, brother. Oh, man. And, uh, we'll go over Hulk Hogan, too, and uh, the big Kenneth Fareed to the net trade that just happened earlier today. Um, you know, So you know, a, lot, a lot of things to talk about. Kenneth Fareed was an Olympian. Yes, he was. There you go. So that's important. That's That's new. That's, and then an uh, the all-star game. Will the National League finally win one? No. A lot to talk about this week.
1: Home run, home run derby, and why it should never end. It should be, yeah, should be it should go on forever with metal bats.
0: Oh, there you go. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. My uh, pleasure. I really appreciate it. It's been a great episode, guys. Thank you for for coming along. We'll be back on Friday with a whole new episode. We'll be back on schedule. We're gonna have a great time. Thank you for being on the scene with Larry Dallas. I love you all more than I can ever put into words. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I look forward to doing this again later on in the week. I look forward to you guys listening, and thank you for all the feedback. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Let's enjoy the rest of our summer. We still got a couple more weeks, baby, to get some tan going.